Consequence Podcast Network. From the leafy streets of Springwood, Ohio, to the barred windows at 1428, we are Halloweenies. This is God. And believe in my dream for me. Believe in my dream just for me. And we'll break the mold. Trick or treat. Or should I say ho, ho, ho. It's Friday the 13th. Do you know where your camp counselor is? Welcome back to Halloweenies. I'm your host today, Michael Rothman, dropping into your feed for the holidays. No, don't reach for your hypnosil. Freddy's dead, and we're looking ahead. And that rhymes. So what the hell are we doing? Aren't we taking a break? Well, we are. Nothing's changed there. But before we head into our third season, which we'll soon announce, I wanted to share a special interview. Not too long ago, I spoke with Kevin Bergeron, co-founder of Waxwork Records. Together, the two of us discussed how he started the incredible vinyl company, which has issued pretty much all of your favorite horror scores and all kinds of wax throughout the 2010s. But we also chatted about his favorite horror movies, what scares him, and what he has in store for 2020. We thought, hey, at a time when we're giving and getting presents, why not talk to the man who makes them? Especially for horror hounds like us. Also, it's Friday the 13th, and if you follow our socials, which you totally should, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, you'll see that we have a very, very special giveaway related to Jason Voorhees today. Is that a hint for the third season of Halloweenies? Well, you'll have to stay subscribed and find out. In the meantime, enjoy my chat with Kevin and have a great holiday season. What monster could have done this? Bill's out there. Oh, God, this place. Steve should never have opened this place again. There's been too much trouble here. Did you know that a young boy drowned the year before those two others were killed? The counselors weren't paying any attention. They were making love while that young boy drowned. His name was Jason. You know, first off, thanks so much for taking the time to, you know, to talk to me. I, I'm a huge fan of Waxwork. I think what you guys have been doing over the last few years has just been incredible. I, your catalog and selections and the curation process has just been fantastic. Um, and Thank I, you. And there's so much love that's involved in this business, and especially with Waxwork that you can see with even just the execution when you get the package in the mail. There's just so much, there's a meticulous detail to it that speaks to heart. And I wondered, like, you know, have you always been a horror fan? Um, and if so, like, what were, you know, some of your earliest memories with the genre? Oh, wow. Yeah, definitely. I've been a horror fan my entire life. It's at least as far back as I can remember, you know, as like a small kid. And uh, early memories of that, I guess, watching, just watching monster movies on yeah. TV, you know, like back when, when there was, when people were watching cable, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, there would be horror movies played just whenever during, you know, throughout the year, I would eat it up. And that's just what I gravitated toward. Uh, I don't think there was any sort of like event or some sort of, you know, life event that happened that kind of like brought me there. I know it is for, you know, for some people, they're introduced to it by like a sibling or something. But, but no, I just, I really have always loved horror. It's just kind of the genre that I'm, that I'm into. 
Do you remember any uh, particular franchises that you might have seen that really like hooked you in, or was it maybe a film per se that you were like, okay, I love what this is doing <laughs> to me? Yeah, definitely. Well, I grew up in the late '80s, early '90s, so mm-hmm. the stuff that was really popular then, obviously, was like you know, Friday the Thirteenth, A Nightmare on Elm Street. So definitely those, like those '80s slashers. Yeah, but um, Halloween was always the scariest to me like it actually seemed like oh wow this could actually possibly happen like there's a dude in a mask like <laughs> yeah. killing and and uh yeah like halloween was my favorite it, i think it still remains my favorite yeah uh, ha- halloween is so interesting because i i think it's the best like original film you know like in terms of going back to like the first mm-hmm. film in the franchise i think it'll always take the cake just because it's just there's like even like an Oscar-worthy uh, caliber to what you're seeing on screen there. I think it, it it's more in line with like The Exorcist than say the '80s slashes that came after it. And, uh, and yeah, but the franchise itself is so insane. <laughs> um, when you go from like all the sequels, you're just like it's like a choose-your-own-adventure um, where it's kind yeah. of wild to think like how far they went from the actual original film where it was just you know a bunch of babysitters that were being stalked by you know, escaped convict or something. But, uh, yeah, I, I always, I always, there's something about that movie that speaks to me also. Or I, and I, and I wonder if it's just the neighborhoods, you know, the neighborhood environment, the fact that like they're all, there's something like palpable about where Laurie Strode goes to. And like, we all had babysitters Mm -hmm. growing up at some point. So I, I I don't know. I've, I've, I've often thought about it for a while, but, uh, what do you think it is about that film that really hits you? Is it, are you just, is Michael Myers just as you know terrifying to you, or is it the characters? Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, okay, so I'm gonna like full disclosure, and I know this is probably gonna make me look, you know, not like a true horror warrior, but <laughs> honestly, I really didn't make it past part four. I want to say, like, I kind of like saw some parts of like the other ones, you know, like <laughs> the Curse of Michael Myers and all that stuff, but the ones that I know are parts one and two yeah um i like i like the other ones but uh i would be really hard pressed to tell you anything about like h2o i don't i don't know anything about those movies uh and it's not because i'm some sort of like purist like i just i'm not like that Mm -hmm. it's just for whatever reason definitely part one it just stands out because like you said like the neighborhood and the fact that i've had babysitters and the fact that there's a guy in a white mask yeah, that is very. It's not. It's not a hockey mask, and it's not a burnt guy. It's like a dude with a mask that's very human. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just. It's scary. It's terrifying. And I used to have like these nightmares of him just like because you know Michael Myers, like you know the shape is standing there, just standing in the yeah. distance. Yeah, I would have like these kind of like nightmarish visions of him like being out there. So I would always like check the window. Or, <laughs> um, yeah, the, yeah. I just, I just. The lingering, the, having something in the peripheral is very terrifying to me, mm-hmm. you know, especially as a viewer watching it on screen. I think there's something really mm-hmm. uh, affecting about watching someone that has no fucking clue that there's somebody watching them um, and having that sort of yeah. intimacy of, of being part of that moment. There's something really terrifying about that. And, and especially when you do know, mm-hmm. like when you, when the viewer does, or I say the protagonist knows that someone's watching them. Like, you know, when Laurie Strode sees Michael down the street, there's something really unnerving mm-hmm. about that. Like, Oh gosh, somebody is actually literally watching me right now from a distance. And yeah, like, what am I going to do? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And I think, you know, if you like kind of like, you know, stray away from like the story and like the actual like narrative of Halloween and like look at, 
the production of it, like, you know, what they were working with. I think they made that movie for $300,000. Yeah. So uh, having those limitations and those restrictions, I think, kind of forced them to make something that seemed legit and real. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, when you watch a movie, like, I, I don't know, like one of those, like, bigger budget horror movies that came out, like, in the 90s or whatever, um, or even now, uh, I like a lot of that stuff, but it there is a kind of, like, disconnect where you know that you're not watching something that's entirely probable. Yeah. Kind of like the Marvel movies and stuff like that. It's just when you have these limitations and, and you know, budget, you kind of are forced to, not kind of, you definitely, you're certainly forced to, like, make something killer mm-hmm. uh, because, yeah. What is, like, the saying? Like, uh, like necessity is the mother of, mother of invention. Like, yes. I think that John Carpenter kind of, like, applied that to a lot of his movies. And uh, that's the kind of, not only with horror, but just like music, um, you can look at punk, hardcore, it's just wow. some of the greatest, I guess, works of art are, they they come from people that have very minimal means. I agree. 100% agree. And I think that's kind of one of the problems I have with uh, a lot of filmmaking today is that they've just, it, like, you know, it, it's it's a lot of, it has to do with invention and also imagination. You know, like when you are up against the wall and you're like, well, we got no more budget left and we still have to make this thing happen. What can we do? Like that to me, yeah. I, I like that in stories and I like that certainly in production. Um, yeah, like the punk rock ethos to that is, is yeah, that's hit the nail right in the head. Like, I, I think that's that's exactly what I love about the original one for sure. Um, because it is. It was yeah. so scrappy. I mean, they're literally painting leaves brown <laughs> because it wasn't fall. <laughs> and, you know, they had, uh, I mean, you always look at the behind the scenes photos and you see the same people, you know. It's not like there are thousands yeah. of crew members that were all working on this thing. So, I, mm-hmm. I yeah, I think that that scrappy aesthetic is is certainly that that warrants a film that is more down to earth. I never really thought of it that way, actually, of just the fact that like the production itself would mirror on screen like that that sort of sense of realism because that's kind of what I love about the original Friday the Thirteenth, also. Um, because yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. loved Jason and when he goes crazy and goes nuts and all, but what I love about that first one is it, it even the way it's shot, it looks like. Mm-hmm. It, like you're saying, it could happen, you know, like there's a realism to it and there's a sense of beauty and tranquility yeah. to it yeah. as well. Um, but uh, yeah, so what, you know, going from that, because honestly, Waxwork is, is a, it's a pretty small company as well. And, and you know, you're on your own, um, you know, you, you got a, you're leaning on a, a pretty reliable, trusty team too. And I guess I wanted to start from the beginning there. And say, like, you know, why Waxwork and how did you get involved in this? Was it your love of horror that, that you know, sprung you over to this industry? or Basically, how it, it came together kind of fast. Uh, you know, I was playing music and touring and recording, and that's what I wanted to do with, with my life. It's still, you know, sometimes I have, like, this phantom limb syndrome where, like, I just want to play. That's all I want to do is just be on the road and, and play music. Uh, and I was really trying hard to, to make that happen, uh, you know, living in new orleans like you're kind of restricted with the amount of uh capable and willing musicians that have you know the same vision or actually want to do the same things that that you want to do uh people are lazy and you know i really busted ass for years uh at some point i decided to start the record label uh susie who's my partner here at waxwork and uh we she bought me a bunch of records for Christmas one year. Actually, it was Christmas 20, 2012. And in that pack of records was a lot of horror soundtracks, um, 
both old and new. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I say new, I mean from like, you know, current labels that were doing it. And I felt as if like we could do it better. And that's just like the honest truth. Yeah. I felt as if like, why isn't, why isn't, uh, why aren't there liner notes in, you know, in these yeah. uh, packages or why, why are they so flimsy? Why isn't this on like heavier vinyl? Um, that's just, and that's not me being egotistical. It's just, I like having nice shit. I don't like having, <laughs> yeah. um, just junk. And it's, I started questioning like the, the kind of like the, uh, authenticity of some of this stuff too, because, you know, uh, especially in, in punk, there's a lot of bootlegs out there. Mm-hmm. Like one of my biggest, um, you know, uh, I guess like I love the misfits. Yeah. And, uh, there's a lot of Misfits bootlegs out there. Oh, so I have many. some of like the original like eighty seven inch seven inches and stuff like the uh, not beware like fuck like uh, three hits from hell have that in the Halloween seven inch and I have the originals and it feels so good to have that. Mm-hmm. But I see like fake ones all the time and I started you know I always like question shit when I when I see it I'm like oh is this like really a Halloween soundtrack or or whatever <laughs> and um you know I just decided like let's just do it and I, I kind of had like a moment where I was like do I want to do this like is it you know the is there a need for another soundtrack label out there? But Susie was like, no, fuck that. Do it. <laughs> do it. Let's do this. Let's make it happen. And let's make it like the criterion of soundtrack labels. So I love that description. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's kind of like big headed, but that's the best way that I can describe it. Like, no, I think that's really fair. high quality. I, I think that's mm-hmm. totally fair. I mean, I honestly, it's, it comes from that sense of love and that sense of like place of, I want this, you know, like, I, I mean, some looking back yeah. at some, even my projects I've done in the past, it's always been this sense of need for even, you know, fulfillment for myself in a way. Like I, why doesn't this exist? You know, like, and how can I make it exist almost, you know? Um, yeah. And yeah. I, and I could see that with this for sure, you know, and in the level of, you know, detail that you do weld into this, I think there's a perfect marriage there, you know, because the, I mean, mm-hmm. granted music fans want, information they, they they're definitely hungry for it but there's a different level to like the the the, the quote-unquote music fan like cinephile that and especially like yeah. those in genre where trivia and and insight and in context is so paramount to like i mean look we were just talking with like you know about the production of like halloween like it seems like anytime you talk about any horror movie with anyone who you know loves the genre it's almost as much about the the production history and the context and the cultural context than it is about anything that happens in the movie. Right. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, to, to back up to like the whole band thing, you know, I, I had already had licensed, um, I think reanimator was in the bag for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the band, the band was still together and, uh, we had day of the dead. I don't think we had creep show. Um, Yeah. So just reanimator and day of the dead. So this was going to happen no matter what. And when the band broke up, it, it felt good knowing that I could just like dive right into, especially with like the kind of like um, the steam that I had, you know, we had just toured Cuba. No one had ever done that oh, wow. before. You know, we were just doing a lot of crazy shit and recording a lot. And then um, it was just a nice segue, you know, I just took that energy and just kind of like dumped it into the record label. I mean, that's exactly what happened. So, uh, and yeah. what, what year was, was, was this like, um, early, early teens or was it yeah, uh, January 2013? Wow. 2013. What a great year too. Um, yeah. 
hell of a year for we were just actually because I mean, we're on consequence of sound we've been doing um our decades uh list and we were we were discussing on one of our radio shows yesterday what year won out mm-hmm. and a lot of uh, and most of us were saying like 2013 just because it was such a transitional year for all different mediums and so many projects sprung up that year where it was like how the hell is this actually happening? Like my bloody Valentine came back and um, like Daft mm-hmm. Punk released a new record. And then they announced like, I think even like a month beforehand that like, yeah, Harrison Ford's coming back to Star Wars. And we're like, well, did the world really end in 2012? <laughs> like, is this all a dream? Like how the hell is this happening? Um, but yeah. yeah, so, so mm-hmm. wow. So, so when you, so you, when you were able to get into like licenses, how did that happen though? I mean, mm-hmm. was it just like, was it more just curiosity and you were able to kind of um, be able to say like, Hey, look, we're going to do something with this license. Let's let, let's do this. Or did you know? I mean, I imagine there had to have been far more finagling involved in that. But what, what was kind of the business behind that licensing? So I mean, it's for us. It's always been really easy. Uh, there are things that like we would have loved to have gotten that we didn't, just because a lot of it is like timing. You know, mm-hmm. whether or not you get to it first, as opposed to like someone else. You know, that's doing something similar. Uh, but uh, just the power of asking, just reaching out. And being super, you know, professional about it, um, you know, in the beginning we didn't have a track record, so I was always like, you know, shit, kind of nervous <laughs> whether yeah. or not people were going to take it seriously or or whatever. Because back then, I mean, it was just no one was really doing it. But what kind of like opened up the floodgates, especially with people licensing uh, stuff from major studios with this kind of like resurgence and like this rebirth of like the soundtrack industry, was our release of Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. Um, that was like the first release that any of the labels um, worked with a major studio on. I, bl- I believe, you know, I'm just I'm saying that, but I, I really I think it's I think it's true. Um, <laughs> you know, we worked with Paramount on that, reached out to them, and I think that when other companies saw that, like, oh wait, hold on, like this scrappy little label from New Orleans, you know, far removed from Los Angeles and all that bullshit. Uh, was able to license something as epic as the original score from Rosemary's Baby uh, from a major studio. Yeah. At that, it kind of like opened up the floodgates and everyone just kind of buckled down and, and you know, okay, now this is going to get serious. And that's when you saw like this kind of like flood of big shit coming out. You know, we did the Warriors, yeah. Taxi Driver, just, like these really great classic. And it's funny because like, a lot of our releases are very New York City. <laughs> <laughs> they are, um, yeah. Yeah. And that's totally unintentional. Like, it's just what I'm into. So, yeah, Taxi Driver, The Warriors, Rosemary's Baby. Um, yeah, is, it's... Go ahead. Oh, which which is such a great era. I mean, like I love... I mean, when I think of New York City, it's literally, like, the portrait that I think of most of the time. And I, I did wonder yeah. about that, if that was something like... If, like, late 70s filmmaking was something that's, like, in your wheelhouse big time. Um, or if that's something that... 70s cinema, in my opinion, I think that's like the best, like great. the best era of cinema. Like so, so many great horror movies, and just not even horror movies, but just movies, just movies. Yeah, like Taxi Driver, uh, you know, Mean Streets, like all of these movies that came out in the 70s. You're just like, gosh, it's so good. It's so <laughs> you know, good. Nothing feels like this. Nothing looks like this. People try now. Like, look at Joker. Everyone's trying to emulate that 70s film look, that kind of grittiness of New York when it was like you know, just a dangerous place to be in. Um, yeah, it's just amazing. Like the movies that came out or the movies that were based around, you know, New York city. Uh, 
Yeah. This is totally straying away from licensing, but anyway. Oh, no, no. I, yeah, I, I love, so. I mean, look, if I could time travel right now, I mean, literally would jo- just go right back to the 70s because I just think like and all different platforms, whether it's, you know, film, uh, I think music mm-hmm. is the is the best around there, especially what was going on in the New York scene in the late 70s. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm always just going to be looking back and getting nostalgic in that area. But um, I, I yeah. did wonder, like, yeah. so 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 Rosemary's Baby, that was the one that really, mm-hmm. that was the floodgate for you that really just was able to kind of be the skeleton key where you're able to open up and get more licenses from there and there. Um, I think it was not only the skeleton key for, like, a lot of labels to, like, do stuff with major uh, studios, but it was kind of like the kick in the ass. Yeah. Like, um, like I said, I mean, no one was doing that. No one was, like, kind of like, or if they were, they sure as shit weren't trying hard enough because... You know, we did it, and it was just Susie and I. You know, now we have a team of, I think, we have a, we have a, we're, we're a small company. You know, yeah. we only have ten employees. So, so even now, you can argue like, wow, like look at these things that we're making happen with such a small team. But back in the first, gosh, from 2013 till we didn't hire our first employee until late 2015. Wow. So, uh, <laughs> and that you know, even then, for like another year or so, it was just three of us here. Um, just growing and growing and, and kind of like, you know, having to like move to another location because we outgrew that spot. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in our third office now slash warehouse and we're outgrowing this. It's just full of records, you know. Um, Incredible. Which could be a bad thing, sitting on a lot of stock, but I mean, it is getting pushed. It's just, we have a lot of titles now. We have over, I think, gosh, 80 titles that yeah. we've done thus far. It's We're in, it, inching up on ninety, I think. It's it's pretty it's it's insanely impressive. I mean, I, I just following the company for the last few years, just seeing the announcements alone because I write up a lot of them for COS, and I'm just like, good God! It's like three more this week, like or two more this week. It just like keeps adding more and more to the pile, and I'm like, this is great. I mean, this is <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. But yeah. I do wonder, you know, because what's different about I would say, you know, Waxwork, uh, you know, compared to the lot of competitors is that you have a pretty good mix of like new scores and old scores. And I wondered, you know, yeah. how much do you think nostalgia factors into, you know, the, the older scores? And is it is it more is it harder to sell the newer stuff than it is, you know, some of the older ones that are out there? Yeah, yeah, you know? definitely. Uh, nostalgia, that whole take on it yeah 100% for sure you know something like uh Friday the 13th for example like mm-hmm. those sell really well yeah and I'm sure you know for other companies like you know the the old stuff that has like this this kind of like folklore behind it now sells better you know um certain things that we've put out that were like newer we thought they were going to sell better than they did you know uh they push and like I'm happy to do them I'm really you know I'm interested in doing new stuff. And, you know, we, we recently did a poll on our, uh, we kind of have like a fan run waxwork records, Facebook page. Yeah. And I recently, you know, I hopped on there and I was like, you know, let's fuck it. You know, I just want to know what, what do people want? What, what do they want more of? Smart. Yeah. And the number one thing is not even obscure, but just like old school, kind of like lesser known horror, like the prowler. Yeah. Go in the house. You know, things like that, um, Friday the 13th Part 7, like just shit like that, mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, like um, these major, huge releases, um, like, for example, like Us. Mm-hmm. I love the music in Us. I'm a big fan of Michael Abel's. Yeah. Uh, 
but I mean, the, the facts are the facts and a lot of that stuff doesn't, it just doesn't sell as, as good as Friday the 13th. And, um, you know, maybe down the road, something like that is going to, it's going to build like this kind of like this huge hype and people are going to look back. Cause like, that's what happens with everything. Like yeah. Halloween three people like look back or like the thing, for example, and they're like, Oh wow, that was a fucking monumental movie. Yeah. Like, that was a great score. But back when it came out, you know, it was, there's a lot that goes into that, though. I mean, like, just keeping people interested in 2019 is, is just a, with anything, you know? Like, it's uh, hard. I don't even know if, like, the new ho- Halloween movies are doing as great as they could be. I don't know. It's it's interesting because, I, I, you know, earlier this year, I had, uh, had a chance to talk to Christopher Young um, for, you know, a score for Pet Cemetery, and I had asked him, you know, yeah. point blank. I was like, isn't it weird that there aren't a lot of, you know, more iconic horror themes out there? And, you know, he had said... Well, it's because more studios and directors are looking for more atmospheric sounds than they would, say, an actual theme. And I think there's this weird sort of, um, uh, I guess, uh, association to, like, the theme, like, maybe um, usurping, like, the actual stuff that's happening on screen sometimes. It could be seen as distracting. Mm -hmm. It could be seen as, you know, personifying villains in ways that you don't need to. But... I kind of think that it's going to slowly come back. I think that, you know, everything goes in cycles, but I, I have noticed yeah. that like recent themes of the last couple of years, like the ones that do like actually peter out and like are the ones that are, t- that do tend to just kind of be the, the remedial scores that are, you know, the tones and the atmospheres. But if you get that, like, even if it's something that that's like a, uh, a melody or a, or a hook even it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. like an actual like outstanding like you know uh, uh real prominent theme but like have have some sort of hook like even looking back in this decade because we're going to be doing a horror scores list for just the the ones that are coming out i mean like i was surprised at how many they had i mean they're you know like it follows is one that that, that had it and yeah um Mm-hmm. And and even with uh, like Hereditary last year, there was a you know uh, you know some really interesting kind of tones in that, and obviously coming back with Halloween with John Carpenter, I do wonder if we are going to mm-hmm. start seeing you know more and more composers. Try I hope to be, so. You, you know, know it would be awesome. The whole kind of like yeah, I really it would be awesome. I think you know and this is just a personal opinion, but you know when people take shit so seriously and they feel as if like well this has to be. Yeah, I, I could I could totally see why somebody would want to not do a theme, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because they might think it's corny to do that in 2019 or something. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know what kind of stuff goes on behind closed doors at the studios. I'm sure lots of great ideas that the actual fans would like to see and hear <laughs> probably get killed immediately on the first day as soon yeah. as like they're brought up, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, yeah, you're right. I think uh, to bring up us again, I, I really love how they – used um i got five on it yeah to be like the theme of the movie you know like and even going as far as to you know remixing it and like rescoring it uh yeah like that track alone sells the record so uh god i hope i love the candy band theme me too (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know i was listening to that recently and i'm like this is fucking scary candy band is scary oh my god you know uh and it's there are cool and it's fun and and and, and, it isn't, and it doesn't have like per se like that the mm-hmm. you know the signature like you know piano line like you hear Halloween you know the Halloween you know you know Nightmare on Elm Street mm-hmm. like it is atmospheric but there is something hooky about it you know like there's like when you hear there it is. you go, yeah, you go oh that is Candyman <laughs> like like you know yeah, that that's Candyman it's, Candy it's like a music box you know like it, yeah you know not everything has to be so I guess like. Um, 
people need to have fun. Mm-hmm. You know, like you need to be having fun with this shit. Otherwise, it's 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 bogus. You know, when you take these things so seriously and you dump so much money into them, um, it's people see right through that shit. Especially horror fans. Horror fans are the most critical, and th- and I mean that in a really good way. Yeah. Um, you know, like I think for years and years, like you know, horror. Well, they didn't. People didn't even want to call it horror. They were just calling it like thriller, or you know, a fucking. I don't. Thriller was like the kind of the, the section that you would see in you know in Barnes and not Barnes and Noble, uh, like blockbuster. Yep. Horror is horror, man. Like we need to call it for what it is. And, mm-hmm. and horror fans are some of the smartest and most critical of cinema. And um, there's some, you know, I think that with like this kind of renaissance that's happening, like some great movies like Hereditary, like you mentioned in Midsummer, there's a lot of like a. I guess attention being paid towards horror is like a credible, um, respected genre now. Yeah. Again, finally. You guys, you know, it's been nicer lately. And in Wisconsin, you never quite know when winter is going to be in, but it's been nice for like four days in a row. And I'm like, if sunnier days are coming, it's time to fuel up. And so I'm going back to my factor meals that no prep, no mess. I want to hit my weight goals before it's time to hit that beach. You've got options like calorie smart, protein plus, keto. Factor has these fresh, never frozen meals, dietitian approved guys. And here's the big thing for me, keeping out of the kitchen as much as possible, two minutes and these meals are ready. So it doesn't matter how busy you are, you've always got time. So treat yourself. They have 35 different meals to pick from, 60 add-ons to choose every week. You're always going to have new stuff to try. Have it whenever you want. It's effortless, guys. So if you'd like to try it yourself, head to factormeals.com slash badmovies50 and use code badmovies50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code badmovies50 at factormeals.com slash badmovies50 to get 50% off of your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, it, it's definitely an exciting yeah. time. I mean, even just the putting together our, our top 100 films of the, the, the decade, I'm just surprised at how many horror films are actually in there. And I don't think that would be the case in like the aughts or even the 90s. Um, I just think that's... That would get some titanic bullshit <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably for sure um you know you had mentioned that uh obviously like the you know the titles like friday the 13th like you know they they sell mm-hmm. out fast um what is your most successful title that you have uh the thing john carpenter's the thing yeah yeah uh, we've only released it once we have a repress coming very soon uh you know, we wanted to repress it a long time ago because it did so well. You know, mm-hmm. we just sold so many units of that and there's such a high demand for it. Uh, but, I, we, you know, we wanted to wait a little bit of time to, like, you know, put it back out just to make sure that there was, like, enough hype behind it again. And, uh, you know, it, it didn't appear as if, like, we were just trying to, like, profit off of this thing. Yeah. And I know that's kind of, like, not the smartest business move because, you know, when you know, strike while the iron's hot and that whole thing. But, uh yeah, like I said, horror fans and people that are actually like they live it, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think they see through that kind of bullshit. And yeah. uh, that's just me being like as frank as possible, man. It's, it's, can we have the license? So we're going to put it back out. It's yeah. coming. We get a lot of questions about that one. But yeah, to answer your question, like the thing has been really, really popular. Uh, other titles like Creep Show, yeah. we repressed that multiple times. It keeps going. Like wow. the Rob Zombie stuff has been really, really popular. Like that stuff. Um, House of a Thousand Corpses is is definitely sold out, and the other two, Devil's Rejects and Three from Hell, are, are just about gone. So we have represses of those coming really soon because we're, we're getting more 
requests for that than John Carpenter's The Thing. And it's just like, let's do it. Let's That's just go awesome. ahead and get it out there because a lot of people, we didn't press as many of those as we did, you know, The Thing. The Thing, we did a fucking load of them. Uh, with the Rob Zombie stuff, I want as many people to have that as possible because, like, they're just asking for it. Like, it just went so fast. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it necessitates a repressing, like, immediately because when you have a lot of people that are saying like, Hey, you know, I didn't get it. Uh, or, you know, that's my favorite movie. And it's like, you know, he's relevant. Yeah. And it, these movies are relevant. It's three from hell just came out. So it's a matter of like, let's get this stuff into the hands of customers that are, that are, you know, itching for it. No, I think that makes total sense. I mean, the fact that he just re-released all three of them, <laughs> yeah, is like this is the best time yeah. to strike uh, when the iron's hot. Whereas, like, you know that the thing is going to be there forever. Like that, people are going to want it. I mean, that, the love for that movie is just going to keep growing longer and longer um, and bigger and bigger. But I, I, I do like the idea mm-hmm. that you kind of have to do draw suspense. You know, like I, I th- because there are some titles that I've I've certainly circulated um, or you know been circling around for uh, a couple of years that I'm like, well, when are yeah. they going to you know dust this back off and and that's the joy i think yeah. i think that's kind of the the upper hand that you get to have is that that fandom's never going to go away you know and like it's only going to grow and grow um you know and i yeah do you ever consider like third party vendors to see like what's actually the most lucrative <laughs> when you when people are selling from there and be like oh maybe we should actually kind of bring this out there or maybe we should wait until do you actually are you able to gauge the demand through that? Like to see like if it's selling on eBay or you know seeing if it's selling all you know at vendors or you know something? honestly I I don't even I don't pay attention to a lot of that stuff you know um, a lot of what we release is is because we're fans of it and yeah. we feel as if like it you know I'd be lying if I said that like I don't pay attention to like the uh, the buying patterns of the customer yeah or um, you know, like their requests, because a lot of it is gauged off of the requests. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, like there's a lot of things out there that people want that I think Waxwork could do, and like it probably wouldn't sell very well, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, man, it's just one of those things that we just kind of put out what we are big fans of and uh, what we feel, I guess, you know, we're confident that it's going to sell really well and we feel like we um, are committed to it. You yeah. Know? Well, what I really love is just what you put your weight behind, too. I mean, one of the more interesting stories, I think, was um, cruising for this year because I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I'm a, that was, my dad was a, he's a diehard Al Pacino fan and he let me watch pretty much anything growing up. And I, whenever I got to mm-hmm. cruising in the collection, he's like, you know how to wait. Yeah. You know, I was like eight years old or 10 years old. And he's like, you're not watching this right now. And, uh, and, yeah. and so seeing that, I was like, holy shit. Like I never in a million years would have uh, thought cruising. And, what I really loved about it um, was being able to read about the process of how you were able to kind of make this thing happen. And that kind of is pretty, um, you know, emblematic of every release that you do. I mean, like you mentioned before, like you want to, you want this to be like criterion. You want to have all the information in the liner notes and reading each press mm-hmm. release for each vinyl. It often feels so much like I'm reading like an archeological adventure <laughs> or something. <laughs> and um, I mean, you're finding master tapes, right. you're working with the composers. And I wonder like yeah. wh- for you personally, what was one of the most gratifying releases and what was the hardest product? Like what was the biggest production in that respect uh, for one of your releases? Gosh, gratifying Um, cruising, you know, that's definitely one of them because, you know, we worked so long on it Mm -hmm. and, you know, sometimes we we say that when we release these things, we're just being honest, like this took three years to make or four years or two years or whatever. But um, 
that can make a company look bad. Like, why did it take so long to make it? But it's just sometimes like this shit isn't easy. Yeah. You know, finding the master tapes. I think a lot of people are just okay with releasing stuff from a CD mm-hmm. um, or they're okay with releasing stuff from the digital files that are available. We've done that before many times, uh, but that was the only medium that was available to us mm-hmm. to do that. So, uh, you know, for, you know, the exorcist was really gratifying, uh, the digital files were available to us and we were like, Hey, are the ma- like the original masters available? And they did a little bit of research and they were, so we, awesome. you know, were able to transfer the masters, like the original masters and like the tapes, like that's so crazy. It's yeah. crazy to me. Um, taxi driver for sure, because that was the first time that the film score by Bernard Herman was, was released on vinyl. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like prior to our 40th anniversary release, it was just the re-recording, mm. which was kind of commonplace in the 60s and 70s. You know, like there would be like this killer score by Bernard Herrmann or, you know, Christoph Kameda in, you know, Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. And uh, to make like a more commercial, polished product, they would re-record the soundtrack and then release that on vinyl. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go for the actual music that you hear in the movie, like the original score, the original soundtrack. So we were able to access the original master tapes for Taxi Driver, and we released this comprehensive um, double LP that included the commercial soundtrack that we've, you know, we've seen, we've heard, we've mm-hmm. loved for so many years. But then also all of that killer music that you hear in the in the movie itself, like an entire it was, you know, an entire forty five minutes of music that had never been released on vinyl. Just crazy. So we did that. Crazy. Um, yeah, same thing with Rosemary's Baby. You know, like that original score had never been released. And um, we went ahead and found the master tapes and, and, and released it, which is insane to me. Um, did you, you know, get to see them? Rob Zombie again. Like, were, were you able uh, to actually be in the room when they were, like, looking through them? Or did you get them sent, like... The tapes that I've seen were uh, Day of the Dead, Creepshow, Reanimator, a lot of the early stuff. Yeah. Um, like, those are tapes that I've, you know, actually, like, held. That's so cool. Um, God. <laughs> cruising for sure uh that's it's always fun to like like wow this is the actual stuff that was in the studio recording the band you yeah. know or it's like recording the composer uh the rob zombie stuff has been like really gratifying because you know i grew up loving white zombie i still love white zombie oh yeah uh rob yeah. zombie he, he's been awesome to work with like very committed to excellence wanting to like be involved like a lot of times like you release these things and like their art it's it's the art of you know this particular director or composer and they're into it but like there's a wall that you Mm -hmm. can't get through but with him it's like just been fucking awesome he's been so killer to work with and like just sending ideas and liner notes and photos and stuff so like getting to work in that capacity so closely with somebody that's like i said committed to excellence has been has been really really gratifying oh yeah i mean and and i imagine studios because i I look at (laughs) this is probably awful of me saying this but i I imagine like sometimes you get you know the suits that don't really realize what they have or what they're sitting on um and a lot of that times when just in our industry like we're having to convince marketers Mm -hmm. that like no this is a good idea like we have you know we can drive (laughs) business to Mm -hmm. your fucking company like what are you doing um and i wonder now if now that the vinyl craze has been around for you know the vinyl resurgence or renaissance we're good 
I think a good decade into it at this point. But, um, you know, I wonder if it's gotten easier since you started in 2013 where the suits are like in, in the studios are a little bit more, um, uh, you know, they're coming forward a little bit more than they, they were, say, you know, seven or eight years ago because they realize that there's a demand now. I mean, the fact that Taxi Driver was just sitting there yeah. mm-hmm. is crazy to me. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like money crazy. on the table. <laughs> like, um, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, that's a really interesting thing to, um, I guess, explore because the answer is yes and no. Um, you know, you mentioned suits. It's not really like that anymore. Like a lot of people think, you know, oh, like at a studio behind closed doors, like there's a bunch of grandpas. It's actually a lot of people like younger than us with neck tattoos oh, wow. that are signing off on some of these deals. Like a lot of people that are actually really hip and really like they understand why this is a cool thing to do. Um, so this that's really rewarding and really fun you know, being able to work with people that are, that are like-minded and get it. Uh, the studios for the most part have been great to work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's, on board you know there's a lot of requests that these studios get so like a lot of times like these deals take a long time to happen but everyone's been really respectful and really cool and they they get it like they're really awesome to work with um and that's not me just trying to like blow smoke that's just a fact uh when we started having meetings and stuff back in 2013 with like actually you know meeting up with like you know people at studios I thought I was going into the, these things and like I was going to be in a room full of like a bunch of dudes that were older than my dad. And that just wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the answer is yes and no. Uh, it's, it has gotten easier in that, you know, waxwork has this, this reputation now for being legitimate and being, um, this company that's dedicated to releasing stuff that's of quality things that are worth owning, not just kind of like, you know, nonsense, mm-hmm. uh, things that are throwaway. Like that's just, that's not what we do. We don't even think that way. Uh, we just want to make sure that there's great shit being produced by our company. Yeah. Um, and it seems it like you're expanding oh, harder. Oh, go, go for it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah, let me hear that. <laughs> um, yeah, it has become harder in that because other labels, you know, not only waxwork, we've been doing this and we've been successful at doing it and we've been creating things that are very eye grabbing, yeah. uh, attention grabbing other studios now have been, well, we can do that. You know, why license yeah. these things out to this other company and we can do it ourselves, but then they try their hand at it and they're all like, wait, <laughs> it's just like anything, you know, like, yeah. um, trying to be polite but it's just a lot of times like when people try to do something just because they see that other people are doing it successfully that doesn't always work oh yeah you know that doesn't always like work out for you because you need to be you need to be in it to win it you need this has to be a lifestyle yeah it can't be some some passing thing that you're doing on the side like oh let's start a record label you know yada yada production studio records or whatever yeah um yeah i mean if there's a budget and that's possible great but uh it's more often not better to leave it to people that are really dedicated to making shit happen because then not only do you uh create a cool product for the fans you know it also brings attention to the the property as well you know a lot of these properties making a cool soundtrack on vinyl makes the property really cool like it Mm -hmm. makes it adds like that kind of like cool factor that otherwise it would just be some movie that came and went you know, there's a lot of movies that we released the soundtrack to two or three years after the movie came out, 
and then people start to like, oh shit, I, I really love that movie. And like yeah. they start, you know, there's like a little resurgence that happens with that movie. No, you're creating followings. I mean, that, and that's, that's something that I've seen with a, got it with a lot of films. I mean, even with, um, I, f- I honestly feel like when, um, I mean, Refn has his own following, but like when Only God Forgives uh, came out and it kind of, a lot of people mm-hmm. slept on it and not a lot of people like turned their heads with it. But when the album came out and the soundtrack came out and it was like these really cool releases that were there, you I started seeing like a mm-hmm. cult following happening with that. Like people were like, no, I, I yeah. it's almost like you're subscribing to the film <laughs> in a weird way. Um, and I see that a lot, yeah. with, you know, and I think a lot of the soundtrack, I think soundtrack has so much to do with that because even psychologically it makes sense because you're living with the score you're living with mm-hmm. the music you like you you know i it's funny like i never really was crazy about john carpenter's prince of darkness right and yet i've really mm-hmm. found myself loving the score so for like the past few months i've just been listening to it like crazy so now when you know everyone's like doing their like top five carpenter in october i was like oh yeah, yeah. prince of darkness on there with like a year ago i would that's no fucking way i would have put that on there but like now but it's <laughs> it, but because i've like been living with the music there's something about it that yeah. is like you you have an intimacy to it to it and i think that's kind of the the you know the luxury that you get with some of the music um that that you can have when you're trying to build it up and um but i wondered you know when you are going to these studios you mm-hmm. are kind of creating that saying that like look we can do this because we can have a personalization to these releases how much of that actually factors yeah. into like building up a following too because i mean if you can come in and say hey we have this following here that's hungry for this stuff is that is that a you know kind of an ace in the pocket you get to use sometimes no, they don't care. <laughs> you know, like honestly, like he's like, oh, it's whatever. True. I mean, it's it's just um, they don't care whether or not you have a following, and that's why you see a lot of like kind of scrappy startup labels get stuff, and you're like, hey, how'd they get that? You know, yeah. Um, it's it's really just a matter of like um, just conducting yourself in a professional way, and like just producing good stuff. Like, I think people are concerned more so with like can they make a cool product? Yeah. You know, uh, and that, that's really important. Uh, whether or not you have a giant following, that's, that's, I don't know. Subjective. Uh, well, yeah. what about, <laughs> what about some of the recent stuff that's been going on in Hollywood? I mean, like I, when you have something like Disney, that's kind of absorbing Fox and Fox has so many, you mm-hmm. know, titles there. Does that affect your business? Like, you know, it's, it's cause then you have to, do you have to deal with more gatekeepers at that point? <laughs> you know, honestly, it has not affected us. Sometimes like those, those funky acquisitions actually help oh, wow. companies like ours because it, it makes it, uh, it makes it easier to, yeah. I mean, like you got to like look at it, you got to take a step back and look at the big picture, you know, like everyone's like really worried about, for example, like the Disney acquisition yeah. of, of Fox. And, um, yeah, like there, there could be consequences like things that are killer could go into moratorium. You never know. Yeah. But a lot of times, like, um, certain things like that happen because maybe it's a necessity. Maybe maybe sometimes things like this need to happen and it's going to suck at first because it's scary and we don't know what's going to happen with it. But then, oh, well, people actually, there's there's licensing divisions, multiple licensing divisions at, at Disney and, and, you know, these kind of, like, juggernauts that there might be possible like cool toys or cool soundtracks or cool movies that would come out otherwise that wouldn't have come out before because Fox is notorious for being kind of difficult to work with. We started working with them and uh, they're one of the few, I mean, I'm just being straight up like one of like the few big studios that are just kind of, kind of behind the curve a little bit. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't see a lot of Fox, 
soundtracks coming out. You don't know. Because they don't see a big interest in doing that kind of stuff, like really cool stuff. And maybe it's time for some new blood to be injected into like these companies or maybe a different kind of like angle. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I really don't, don't know what's going to happen with the whole Disney thing. Mm-hmm. But sometimes change is good. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, you know, keeping ahead of the curve. And one of the things I saw this morning was that you're partnering up with, uh, you know, Dead Sled Coffee and which is exciting that you're, you yeah. know, you're going to have some more, you know, new verticals and all. Um, how important are these, you know, these, these partnerships and, you know, what are some areas that you're looking into expanding? We've been working. So that was just like a one-off thing that we did with the coffee. It was really fun. Uh, we've been working with Sacred Bones Records. Yep. So yeah. that's just, you know, every now and then we'll do a co-release and that, you know, we'll purchase a variant from them of like a specific color. Like we did the Lighthouse. Uh, it's, you know, full disclosure, the Lighthouse is their license. Yeah. You know, the Dead Don't Die is their license. They're not really interested in getting hardcore into like soundtracks and stuff. But I'm good friends with Caleb and some of those guys at Sacred Bones are just like really cool to work with. Like they're, they're a really great. cool, unique label. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they're they're cool enough and nice enough to be all like, hey, Waxwork let's partner up in that, you know, like, you know, Waxwork does like an exclusive color and we sell that. And, uh, it's been great. It's been great. You know, like, uh, we don't do a ton of collaborations, but we're not against it. You yeah. know, it's just, uh, we've been pushing really hard to just to kind of like, you know, build the Waxwork thing. Yeah. Well, on that note, what is your, <laughs> your personal white whale, you know? What's one that, like a, a franchise, a movie, something that you've been like, fuck, I got to get the the goddamn license for this. You know, like, what do you really want? Um, Gosh, you know, I wish I had a straight answer. A lot of the things that I'm like really into, I know that like a lot of people wouldn't purchase, <laughs> you know, like yeah. um, just like weird transgressive stuff, you know, that probably would only sell like maybe like a thousand units. Um, White whale. Gosh. Oh. I don't have one. Yeah. Honestly, you know, I think we've released a lot of the stuff that I was kind of like, yes, let's get the exorcist or let's get taxi driver. And, um, the whole dead trilogy, yeah. which is amazing. Like, I mean, unreal. Yeah. We did all the night dawn and day of the dead. Yeah. Um, like that's, that's been really great. Um, yeah. I mean, if I just kind of like announced a big title too, you never know somebody else could go after it. So that's true. Yeah. No, that, that is, I, that I hear you. I hear you. That, that's, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, what do you, what would you say is your favorite though? Like, you know, I mean, we had asked about like what were some of the toughest productions and, you know, you've definitely, um, you know, named a bunch of them, but looking back, mm-hmm. like, what would you say you're like really most proud of and what is your favorite release that you've done so far? I really like our day of the dead release. Yeah. Like when, when we, and for multiple reasons, when we got that title in, uh, we actually were in Los Angeles and we were able to pick up a bunch of copies of it from the pressing plant. Mm-hmm. And that was only our second or third release. So when we were holding that in our hands, like it really felt like, oh shit, like this is this is for real. Like this is we're doing this now. This isn't just kind of like, yeah, you know, one off. Uh, it felt real, and that that was a nice feeling. That I think that whenever you know you press, if you're in a band and like you press music to vinyl and yeah. stuff, like it feels legit. Like oh, now it's real. It's not just a CD, yeah. or it's not streaming. So. That felt really special. Um, I keep bringing up Taxi Driver, but like I really love, love, love that release. It is and a I really great love release. our Manhunter. Oh God! Yeah. I, I've, all right. So I, I gotta, I gotta gush on that for a second because I think first off, tangent on one, one end. 
the 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 Day of the Dead thing was brilliant because I think the foresight in that is just <laughs> incredible because I think that score is only getting bigger and bigger and I actually might think it could mm-hmm. you know um, supersede the other two Dead releases. I mean the the fact that it, you know bits and pieces were even in Stranger Things this summer was amazing um, because yeah, I think that yeah. people are starting to realize that like oh wow like this is this is like kind of like a lifestyle score where you don't have to like it's not going to make you terrified it's going to make you it's like kind of like nice to live with and i think that there's something there's some currency to to that yeah it is yeah and it doesn't Uh really you know there are definitely some elements that kind of can feel a little creepy and stuff but not really like it's it's, it is like a very balmy enjoyable score and i think there's currency to that but the manhunter thing i freaked out i literally was i I remember i think i (laughs) i don't even think i finished the news post before i was emailing um stephanie of being like i I have to have that please god give me this goddamn release because i i think it's the best it's my favorite soundtrack of all time the fact that you're able to uncover the 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 b-sides this that and like the the real deep stuff that that were unreleased on there was just fantastic and like the actual mirrors on there it's just kudos i sorry to gush on that but that was still that's still one of my favorite releases on vinyl of the last 10 years Yeah, manhunter i sometimes like we release certain things that like i said manhunter is one of those kind of like that was i guess you know one of those white whales for me i really love the the movie but the soundtrack is so good it's so it's good so good yeah. and um sometimes like really we release these things that um should do better than than other things you would mm-hmm. think that like gosh like everyone's into stranger things now i don't know how well that's doing for lakeshore but manhunter is like it just leaps and bounds better than like a lot of like the synth stuff that's been coming out mm-hmm. um you can see where a lot of like you know inspiration has been drawn from the Manhunter soundtrack and, you know, other, you know, other unrelated things like, uh, like Tangerine Dream. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I really love man. I'm actually, I just had to like pull one out. Like, yeah, like getting the, all the stuff that's on side D, like, you know, the Guitaro track and the Unreal. Schultz track that took a long time. We had to license that stuff from a company in Japan because it just didn't exist anywhere else. So, so that took a while to get just those two tracks, like held up that release for a couple of years because, a lot of these things are just detective work. Yeah. But uh, I'm glad that we were able to get it and expand it because it's just such a special release, you know? Yeah. Did you have to work? Did you get to work yeah. at least with a uh, man or Michael Mann at all with it? Or? I wish, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he'd probably come in and just be like, actually, we need to be precise with the squares here. And uh, no, I could just see him just yeah. really becoming a headache at that point. But uh, no, I... Um, Great, great film. I mean, I, I've I've actually wanted to ask if you were uh, trying to get any of his other films, like Thief or um, even like Heat. Uh, or I mean, I guess at that point, it's a lot of headaches because of all the different licenses you'd have to get with the different artists with Heat. But not necessarily. I mean, it's a mixed bag, you know. Like, yeah, I would love to do more of his stuff. Um, you know, Michael Mann stuff would be great. Uh, like I mentioned, ta- we have a lot of Tangerine Dream stuff coming out. Soon, oh, awesome! So awesome! You never know. <laughs> That's great. That's oh, all right. I'll, I'll, I like that. Uh, well, one last question for you because I've, I've I've kept you on for a very long time, and I apologize. Um, no, no, it's all good. A top. This is kind of a cliche question, but I, I'm always interested, especially for those who work in the actual industry. Your Desert Island Records top five maybe uh you know top five from waxwork and top five outside you know albums that you can't live without oh my god okay it could be three, three if it's easier <laughs> let me think oh my god um what do i listen to a lot of so i have a lot of different things that i'm into and mm-hmm. um you know a lot of it probably wouldn't be soundtracks so uh god i hate <laughs> things hard. like this i know I oh know. shit probably like a ramones record 
Yeah. You know, like definitely like one of like the classic, like, you know, one of like the first three Ramon records or something, just to kind of try to be happy that I'm stranded. Because <laughs> <laughs> like those are like, just, they're, they could be happy songs. Yeah. You know? Oh, like, absolutely. Just, like, twisted happy songs. Yeah. yeah. So like probably Ramon's record for sure. Um, God, oh my God, what else? <laughs> Let's think. Let's think. I'm actually looking at my record collection now. Like, what do well, I? And, and, and that was yeah. I was gonna say like, is there a is there a rare record that you have in there that that you're certainly if there's you know I almost kind of construe this as Desert Island too because I imagine like mm-hmm. you know places on fire you got to grab some stuff. Is there a record in that collection that you're <laughs> like, holy shit, I have to get this because this is so fucking rare. I'm never gonna find it again. Yeah, probably our cruising release for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, a lot of that stuff was unearthed, and that is such a cool soundtrack because it has it everything, man. It, really it has does. like <laughs> the germ stuff. It has like some like weird twenty-minute-long, you know, synth stuff that just like goes on forever, and it's so good, and you can just kind of like zone out and work. Yeah, um, yeah. So like definitely, that, and it's expansive. It's three LPs, so like you'd have a lot of time to like kind of try to figure out how to start a fire or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. And one last one. What's a good one? It's a good one. Let's see. Uh, shit. Probably. What's it? I don't know. Maybe like the soundtrack to like Little Shop of Horrors or something fun, you mm-hmm. know, like just to kind of sing along. Yeah. Take your mind off of the fact that you're, you know, you're sitting there. And <laughs> yeah. Just kind of want to hang yourself, you know, from the nearest palm tree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it would be know, good man, to have Audrey like, for sure around to, to help out um in that yeah, just some bullshit. Yeah, yeah yeah well this has been fun I, I you know i i can't say enough to kudos to everything you've been doing i've this is a company Thanks, i just man. i really love and i i've just really excited to see where you go from here and um you know this is i'm do you have anything in um that you'd want to like maybe promote like uh we have a lot 2020 is going to be one of our biggest years i think yet you know this year has been a lot of not trial and error, but just a lot of like figuring things out in terms of like what direction we want to go in. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of really, really cool things coming out in, in 2020, not limited to soundtracks. So that's oh, going to wow. be fun. Um, but we do have a lot of like good, big, awesome fan loving soundtracks coming out. Uh, so definitely keep an eye on what we're doing in 2020. Sounds good. Uh, with regard to represses, we have the thing is going to be making an appearance in early 2020. That's going to be killer. Yep. Finally, <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of people have been asking about that. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot more Rob Zombie stuff coming. Uh, we're going to be doing the Lords of Salem. Oh, That's awesome. going to be a big release. Very cool. Uh, fucking crazy release with like you know tons of extras and just like you know uh, involvement from him. So that's going to be really fun. Very cool. And, Underrated uh, yeah, movie man. too. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's so good. It's, it's so really awesome, good, man. Like lots of great visuals. Yeah, yeah. And I could tell that that's like that came from a real personal. I think like he really poured his heart into that one for sure. Um, and yeah, yeah. I think that's the one that he always talks about how like he just did everything the opposite. You know, like just, yeah. You know, like this is what I want. Yeah, you know? yeah. And it goes fucking yeah. crazy by the end of the movie. Um, <laughs> like just wild. But yeah. I, I love it. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm excited for all of that, and um, we'll definitely have to stay in touch because uh, seems like we should talk in the near future about all the stuff in 2020 for sure. But um, yeah, man, let's do it. Well, uh, thanks again, and um, have a great uh, November <laughs> and December and the holidays for sure. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. Talk soon. Okay, later. Believe in my dreams
Consequence Podcast Network.